Phillips City, it's great to be with you today and just want to give a big hello to everybody that's watching at 10 a.m. as we gather together online. It's great to be together all online and uh, say hi to each other in the chat. And if you're watching after the fact, I want to give you a big hello and good to see you as well. And today I want to start with a question. What are things that you do on a daily basis? This list will get very long. Believe me, I thought it would be short, but it gets long. You start just thinking the, the natural biological things we do every day, blinking, breathing, getting up, moving, and then you think about all the other stuff, the eating, drinking, flossing, brushing your teeth, exercising. If you have ideas, throw them in the chat there or talk about that with, with the people you're watching with. Think of all the different things you do on a daily basis, going to work, going to school, rotating laundry, washing dishes, because that never stops. Right, Checking social media, cooking, uh, cleaning things, playing video games and apps, listening to a podcast, watching TV. How many of you have that conversation with your spouse every night? Hey, babe, what do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? And you have this constant conversation. But we do these things daily. Now think about why do we do these things on a daily basis? You can post those thoughts too or, or talk about that. Why would we do these things on a regular basis? I think there's some variety of reasons, but there, as you look at that list, you'll see, well, some of them we have to do. It is a necessity. If I stop breathing, I won't be doing that on a daily basis. Same with eating or drinking or getting dressed, right? But there's others on there that we do it because it's important to us. It's valuable, and we will always have time for what's valuable to us. So watching a show every night or checking social media may seem insignificant to others, but to you, it's important. It's valuable. And as we talk about what we do on a daily basis, I want to bring our attention to a psalm, and, and let's bring that into the conversation for just a second. Psalm 96, verse 2, says, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Day after day. It's a daily Part of our life, it's ongoing, it's continual, it's unceasing, that we are people who worship God. It's not a segment in our, our week, it's not a part of our time at church, it is all the time. It is a daily part of our life. How many of us thought about singing songs to Jesus as a part of our daily activities? Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it's not our first thing that we would think to write down. But as you, as you think about it, I, I don't want you to feel convicted, okay? So I know you might be thinking, like, thanks, Sean. I really needed that spiritual criticism right now. I already didn't think I was good enough, but here we go. I need to now sing to Jesus every day, just like I need to floss my teeth like my dentist says. It's not a critical hammer I'm dropping on you right now. The idea here is to think about we make time to do the things that are necessary and the things that are important. And when was the last time we thought of worshiping Jesus as a necessary part of our life for our soul or an important part of our life for our pursuit of Jesus? And that's what we're talking about today, this whole idea that pursuing Jesus can be done in a variety of different ways, but, but worship, and specifically worship through music, is a way that we need to continue to grow in our pursuit of Jesus. We as a church are rallying around this word, pursuit. We are moving forward, forgetting the past and moving forward in our pursuit of Jesus. And specifically with music, learning that Jesus is to be worshiped by all of us, all of the time, with all of our being. So each week we're looking at a different part of that. He is to be worshiped by all of us, all of the time, with all of our being. And there's two things I want to focus on. 
One is that we worship all the time when our worship is regularly renewed. The, the psalm we read last week, Psalm 96.1, says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And we talked about we're all worshipers, all the earth is singing, all of that, that's great, but we didn't focus on this one phrase. Sing a new song, a new song. And, and I wanna talk about that for a moment because I think if, if we discover new, we will discover, discover consistency and we will be people who worship all the time. Because that phrase, sing a new song, when I've heard that in church and I've heard worship leaders use that psalm, they will get you, you know, in the congregation, they'll be playing their songs, you know, do, 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 do. Hey, everybody, let's sing a new song. And they'll pull back from the mic, and all the church is supposed to be doing what? They just kind of make up their own lyrics and sing whatever's on their mind and on their heart. That word new, though, is not about spontaneous lyric writing. It is not about just singing out of your gut and out of your mind, whatever comes up. That word new, when the psalmist says, sing a new song to the Lord, is actually sing a fresh song song to the Lord. Sing a renewed song to the Lord. It is freshness, not in our lyrics or in song choice, but it is fresh in our approach, in our passion, in our attitude, that we're not giving God our stale worship anymore, right? It's the difference between giving God the fresh-baked donuts and the day-old donuts, how many of you, if you had a choice, you would pick the fresh donuts. You wouldn't pick the day old, right? But a lot of us, when it, and the food metaphor could go for days here, a lot of us are giving God our leftovers when it comes to worship. It's grown stale and crusty and just kind of lost its, uh, its flavor. And we just kind of apathetically worship God. We give him our tired praise, our recycled praise but it's about singing with a new heart, with a new passion, with a new approach, whether it's the first time we're singing a song or the thousandth time. And that's important. And we discover that this freshness just revitalizes our worship. But how do we keep it fresh? Like, how do we put our worship in a Ziploc bag and keep it fresh and new in these ways? And scholars make this connection in the Psalm of Psalm 96.1. They make the connection of the word new to singing a new song with the new that in Lamentations talks about new mercy. And it talks about each day is an opportunity for new mercy to be experienced from God. And Psalm, or excuse me, Lamentations 3.23 says, great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each day. That God is so great and so magnificent, right? Each day begins, did you catch that word? Afresh with new mercy. Each day is a new opportunity to be forgiven by God, be given a fresh start, a new start, a new opportunity. And so what Lamentations is saying, and you connect that to the psalm, is, well, new day, new start, new mercy. And that's going to be a catalyst for new day, new praise, new passion. Because I'm looking at the day and saying, everything is new. I'm experiencing new mercy, a new day, a new start, new forgiveness, new understanding of the greatness of God's love for me. New, 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 new. Jesus even said, I came to make all things new. And how many of us, when it comes to our worship, it's grown stale because we're all busy looking in the past. Not in the song choices. I'm not belittling hymns or classic songs. I love classic ones. I could sing of your love forever and things like that. And we're not 
belittling that, but we're so stuck in the glory days of our past. Man, when I was a teenager, that's when I worshiped God, and it was powerful. Oh, when I was a kid, that's when God showed up. When I was a young adult, when I first met Jesus back in the day, that's when the Spirit got me, and I, I just experienced it, and it was real, and it was fresh. Yeah, it was fresh. Guess what? In that moment, you experienced fresh mercy, fresh grace, fresh love from God. And so what did it produce in you? Fresh praise, a new song. And what I'm challenging us today to do is, as Paul says to the Philippian church in chapter three, we sometimes have to forget the past and move forward because today is a day of new mercy. Today is a day of new grace, new love, new moments with Jesus. If we wanna be worshiping Jesus all the time, then I think we have to be with Jesus all of the time not clinging to these memorial, memorialized moments of our past, but rather saying, Jesus, Lamentation says, to, you are so faithful, you are so amazing that your mercy today is fresh, it is new, it is not tired, stale, and recycled, and neither will my worship. When we experience something new in Jesus on a daily basis, our worship is transformed because we're looking and seeing that God is alive today, not just yesterday. God is moving in your life now, today. And it changes the way we, we approach things, we look at things. And, 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 and let's even stop and think about that for a moment. What do I mean by a fresh encounter with God? A fresh new moment with Jesus on a regular basis. Chat with those you're sitting with or throw it in the chat box and, and, and what that means to you of what does a fresh encounter with Jesus look like? Because that's kind of a, a Christian lingo there. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think of. I think every day is an opportunity to learn more about what Jesus said. And when I can learn that better, man, I experience something different. I think a fresh encounter with Jesus on a daily basis is trying to do what Jesus said getting out of my comfort zone, trying something new, trying to do what he said, like loving your enemy. And watch, you'll experience new mercy, new grace, new understanding of God's love. And that will blossom into new praise. I think a daily opportunity to repent and say, God, this is where I sinned, this is where I was broken, this is where I was selfish, please forgive me. And it's a reminder that I haven't arrived, I'm not perfect. And it's in that that I experience forgiveness. I experience a fresh start. I understand the grace of God differently in those moments. When we have these types of moments, it is renewing our worship. So even just a, a couple of weeks ago, I could sing a song that I've sung 10,000 times. A song like Awesome God sang that song 10,000 times, I'm sure. I, I don't keep track. I'm maybe exaggerating there. But I sang it recently in my headphones and crying out to God, and it was as if I sang it the first time because I wasn't looking back just at how awesome he was years ago. I was seeing in that moment and celebrating, God, you've been awesome today. You've been awesome on Thursday. You've been awesome on Monday. I didn't have to look back years and years in the catalog of how awesome you are. I could recognize I had experienced new mercy, new grace, new moments with Jesus. And it revitalized even a song that was so classic and near and dear to my heart like Awesome God. That's what we're talking about, sing a new song to the Lord. And as we keep it fresh, I think it will keep our praise consistent. 
Because how many of us want to just do the same recycled thing over and over again? The next thing that I, I would focus on is that we all will we'll worship all the time when our worship is relentless. When our worship is based on our circumstances and our feelings, we are very unlikely to worship God all the time. Think about that for a moment. If, I, if my worship is based on how I feel, uh, I'm not likely to worship God all the time. But my worship is meant to be relentless. It is not to be somehow circumstantial or displaced or forgotten or replaced by anything. David says in Psalm 34 verse 1, he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. This sounds great. This is a tweet-worthy verse right here. Man, I will sing and praise him all the time. But this wasn't written when David was king. This wasn't written when he was on top of the world. This was written at a time in his life when the world was on top of him. And I think knowing that helps me understand that we need to be people who worship him all the time, even when we're in the valleys or we're on the mountaintop moments. That our worship of him is relentless. It is not feelings-based or circumstance-based. It is like an athlete who trains. A true athlete will go for a run no matter what the weather is. Whether it's freezing cold, rainy, sleet, snow, or beautiful and hot and sunny. I have a, a, an acquaintance who is a bodybuilder. And you see the, the relentless nature of his training, not just in his exercise, but in his diet. His diet is relentless. We meet up at these pastor's events where they got this huge spread of, of food and muffins and croissants and tons of free calories. Let's just put it that way. Lots of free calories. You know the kind of spread that I'm talking about. And you're going and just gorging. I fill my plate up and I see all my colleagues, my friends and people I know. We're all filling our plates up. And this guy, he brings his own food. He doesn't eat carbs. He doesn't eat junk. Right? He doesn't eat sweet. And so he like packs his own little baggies full of like meat and protein and all this stuff. And he's just, he's disciplined and he's training and he doesn't care that, ah, oh, this could be more convenient, this could be easier, this is what everybody else is doing, somebody might make fun of me because my little baggie of food. He doesn't do that. He is relentless and he doesn't have cheat days, he doesn't have off days, he doesn't just base it on how he feels that day or the circumstance he's at or where he's geographically at or who he's around. His worship of his body, is taking care of his body is relentless and I think his worship of Jesus is, 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 is relentless, and it's, it's paralleled there, right? The idea that we worship God no matter what circumstance we're in, no matter where we're at, no matter who we're around. And we see that in Scripture. Think about Jericho. It's a moment of battle and unpredictability and, and, and conflict. And the people of, uh, people of Israel surround Jericho, and they blow their trumpets, and they sing their songs, and God brings the walls down. Think about Paul and Silas in prison and a moment of captivity, a moment of hopelessness. And we find them singing, rejoicing, praising God. And God shakes the prison, breaks their chains, and leads them to freedom. We see Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The early church has watched Jesus ascend, and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to show up. And they're in a season of waiting. How many of you love waiting? They're sitting there waiting. And while they're waiting, they're singing to the Holy Spirit. They're singing to God. They're just praising him and honoring him. And the Holy Spirit shows up, baptizes them, empowers them, and sends them out for the ministry that God has prepared for them. Various moments and circumstances don't dictate our worship. In all of those types of moments, 
whether it's captivity, whether it's battle, whether it's loneliness, whether it's hopelessness, whether it's waiting, it doesn't matter. They worshiped God wholeheartedly. Their worship was relentless. And I think what speaks to it is they looked at it and said, we will be relentless in our worship because the God that we worship is relentless towards us. He is faithful towards us. He is loving towards us. But a lot of times we would read those stories and say, wow, look at worship. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. It's so, you know, we, we get this idea that music is, is powerful. We give music all of the credit, right? And I think when we, we look at something like worship and, and give it all the credit, uh, one author that I was reading in his book, Unceasing Worship, described it. He said, if this is your perspective, you say music is what brought down the walls of Jericho. You say music brought... Paul and Silas out of prison? You say music brought the Holy Spirit upon the early church? Well, then you've made music an idol. And you will use that idol, you will use that tool to somehow control and manipulate your God. And that will be an indicator to us that our worship isn't relentless. Our worship is circumstantial. Because we're trying to control God. God, if I just sing enough, I'll have breakthrough. If I just sing enough, you'll break these chains. If I just sing enough, I'll have victory. If I just sing enough, it's going to get better. If I just sing enough, I'm going to hit the mountaintop moment. And how many of us have been in church experiences like that? We're entering into this powerful time, and we're going to worship, worship until we see breakthrough. And we've given so much power to the music. That's not what the people were doing. They were just being obedient to their God. They were just honoring the relentless love of God. That's why they were relentless in their worship. But when we use music, when we make it an idol, when we try to control God with it, I think it's revealing that our worship is not really relentless. It is highly circumstantial. Because what happens when our praise doesn't work and we don't get the results we wanted? When nothing changes, when we're still in captivity, when we're still in bondage, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to quit. We're going to stop worshiping. We're going to go silent. And so it shows us that our worship, a lot of times, is not really relentless. It is highly emotion-driven, highly circumstance-driven, and, and, and we give music more power than it should. But music isn't powerful. It's the God that we honor with the music. He is powerful. Relentless worship is our response to a relentless love of God, that he has been relentless in his pursuit of you, relentless to not give up on you and abandon you, relentless to fulfill his promises that he gave you, relentless to stick by you, relentless to forgive you when you repent, relentless to send his son to the cross in his pursuit of you, relentless to show you a grace to save you from hell and give you heaven, relentless to Take us from darkness and give us hope. Relentless to take us from weakness and give us strength. He's so relentless to meet us in our anxiety and give us peace that doesn't make sense. You think of all that Jesus is, has done in our life and, and how we've seen God work throughout history and in our own lives and we see a relentless love of our Father. We see a relentless love of the, of the Son. We see a relentless love of the Spirit. And so our only response should be relentless worship. And so when we read Psalm 96, verse 2, it says, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. This is not a chore. 
This is not something to belittle us or make us frustrated that I'm not spiritual enough. This is a response to a relentless love. This is a response of living a refreshed worship, constantly embracing and encountering the new mercies every day that we've talked about. If we want to be people who worship Jesus all the time, we need our worship to be renewed and to be relentless. But here's the kicker, and here's what I want to end with. You and I, we have a choice. Every day we have a choice. Am I going to choose to pursue Jesus through worship? Am I going to choose to do as the Psalms say and make this a daily practice in my life, a daily part of my life? Ephesians talks about this. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be very careful how you live making the most of every opportunity. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead, but, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Paul is encouraging us here. He's telling us, don't squander the time that you've been given. Don't be fixated on things that are self-serving and destructive and uh, going to be temporary. And I think a lot of time we think, well, I, I can worship Jesus all the time. I, all I got is time. And so I'll do it a little bit later. I'll do it at some other time. And, and what Paul is saying is, man, be careful how you live. Time is limited. Time is fleeting. Time is temporary. So let's maximize our time. Let's not squander it. We are people who worship Jesus. Don't waste it pursuing the things of this world. And he begins this comparison between that of being intoxicated with alcohol versus intoxicated by the Spirit. And I know that's a strong word, intoxicated by the Spirit, but it's under the influence. Am I under the influence of alcoholism or am I under the influence of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's comparing here. And in both cases... Both cases, our senses are affected, our views and, and perspectives can change, right? And, and, and these are both things that we would choose to run to after a hard day. Think about that for a moment. When you've had a hard day and you just want to unwind and unplug and clear your brain, you may want to do that. Man, I just want, I want to run to the drink. And maybe for you, it's not alcohol. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's entertainment, video games, TV. Maybe it's calories of another sort, sweets or salty foods, whatever, right? But we run to something, and it's self-centered. It's destructive. It's temporary. It's going to lead to more brokenness. It's not going to fulfill. And then you've got the other side of it, where he says, or be under the influence, be intoxicated, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to lead to worship singing songs and psalms and hymns and all of this, making music in your heart to the Lord. Choose that and watch the praise that comes out. And again, he's just reiterating that you and I have a choice all the time, every day. The days are temporary and fleeting and moving quick, and all we have are choices. Which will we choose? After a hard day, what are you going to choose? After a day where you just want to unplug and clear your brain, what are you going to choose? I experienced it this week after, uh, at the end of the evening on Sunday, it was about midnight actually going into Monday morning, and, and I had to make a choice. I was watching the Seahawks game. I hadn't had a chance to watch it earlier, had it recorded, knew the score, knew how, you know, the Seahawks won and everything, but I was, I was still wanting to watch Russell Cook. I wanted to <laughs> go out there and uh, throw touchdowns and see the Seahawks win, and I knew all the stats. I knew what was supposed to happen, but I still wanted to watch it. And I'm watching it, and it was about midnight, Sunday night. And it was like the Holy Spirit just got my attention and said, Hey, uh, hey, Sean, you haven't done your, your pursuit worship. 
I mean, I'm thinking, like, where did that come from? My family's asleep. Nobody's telling me to do it. It was a God moment where God just got my attention and said, hey, you've committed to doing this, a 14-day pursuit, 14 minutes a day for 14 days. And guess what, church? I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And I hadn't done it that day. And I had a choice. Man, I really want to watch the Seahawks game, God, and I'm going to fall asleep soon and tired and I just want to do this. But I turned the TV off. I made a choice. Put my headphones in, got on my knees, and began to just worship. And I experienced a peace of Jesus that I needed in that moment. I didn't recognize that I needed, and it was a peace that the Seahawks game was never going to bring me, even though they won and kicked butt against Atlanta. I experienced the peace of God as I cried out to him, as I began to celebrate what God was doing in our church that day, as I took a moment to reflect on the anxiety and the stress and the worry that I was carrying that I was kind of oblivious to in the moment and just having a real moment with Jesus being honest and I was overcome with a peace. And I, it just cemented in my heart, this is why we're doing the 14-day pursuit so that you and I have opportunities to make that choice, to do what Paul says. You can choose these things and they're gonna bring results. Do you want those results? Or you can choose something else. And the pursuit challenges us to do that. The 14-day pursuit challenges us to say, for 14 straight days, will I worship Jesus? Will I make this a daily part of my life? Will I choose something different than I normally would? Choose to pursue Jesus with worship today. Will I choose to worship Jesus tomorrow? Will I choose to worship Jesus with all of my time. Let's pray. Churches, we just come in an attitude of prayer. I just want to pray for you if right now, as we're talking about experiencing new mercy, new grace, we're talking about forgiveness, fresh starts, with Jesus, uh, I just want to pray for you if you want to make a, a, a fresh commitment to Jesus. You want to make a decision today to say yes to Christ and follow him from this point forward. To ask for forgiveness of your sin and your choices, your wrongs, your brokenness. I just want to pray for you. Jesus, we pray for those that want to make that decision right now. They want to say yes to you and make you the king of their life, the, the, the central focus of their life, that we want to be worshipers. And God, I pray right now that you would forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of where we've gone wrong and chosen for ourselves. I pray, God, for life and freedom and, 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 a, a, and a filling of your Holy Spirit like never before. I pray for your forgiveness to ring true in their life. And God, I pray that this is a moment, a catalytic moment for us to spur us on towards worship. Whether it's in this moment where we're, we're choosing to follow you for the very first time or we, we are just committed to, to being your worshipers, God, to being people who worship you all the time, I pray that we would be a church that does, does not put a pause button on our worship or hit a stop button in any way, that we would be people who worship you all the time, day after day, because you are worthy of that. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, check out thehubcitychurch.com.
Thanks for listening.